Welcome to the Hear It From Me podcast, where we will get to know the stories of people who have found their own voice, live a life of authenticity, and help others do the same. I'm your host, Dale Likens, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you a conversation with Annie King. Annie King is a licensed professional clinical counselor in Chillicothe, Ohio. She's married to Kurt, a retired pastor, and they have four amazing adult children. She grew up in church, was active in campus ministry in college, and became a pastor's wife at age 20. She's in the middle of her deconstruction journey. That journey began over 20 years ago as her children grew and changed. She noticed she was changing with them. Her husband's retirement has given her some space and freedom to explore her own faith, and she's been working with a counselor for several years, unpacking her childhood, and is now exploring the relationship with her family of origin and her faith experience. She is growing and learning, sorting through her beliefs as they emerge, and letting go of the ones that no longer serve her. If you'd like to join her, join her on her journey, you can follow her blog at Annie King, A-N-N-I-E-K-I-N-G dot substack dot com. I've been friends with Annie for over 30 years, and I look forward to this conversation and sharing it with you. We talk about what Annie is unlearning, as she said, to make room for new ideas. She wrote this in a recent blog post. At the very end, it says, in 2023, I stepped away from contact with my mother in 2021, I stepped away from church. What is next for me? I don't know. One thing's for sure, I will pay attention to my body, and if my insides clench and my shoulders sink, I will listen and walk away. And I knew I wanted to talk to Annie. So I am so glad to talk to my friend Annie King, who is uh, joining me today for this conversation on Hear It From Me. Annie, welcome. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you. I am so glad uh, that, you know, we have this chance to talk about your journey. Um, and I so resonate with some parts of it as I, um, you know, hear you talk about it and read your own blog. And I'm just looking forward to getting into this. Annie and I have known each other for decades. And <laughs> Um, and, uh, it's just really cool. We've really, uh, become, I'm going to say connected in a different way in the last mm -hmm. couple of years. And, Absolutely. um, hopefully we'll get into some of that too, but anyway, so, um, you know, Annie, uh, you wrote in your last blog, which was, if I'm not mistaken, called deconstruction and it was like a part two mm -hmm. and, um, you talked about your childhood and looking through rose-colored glasses um, at what your past looked like. And, um, you know, I, I thought about um, how powerful that image was for me. Um, and, you know, I know you've been deconstructing your own Christian faith mm -hmm. of the past and um, also uh, finding that doing that <laughs> has also um, led you to think differently about uh, your own family and your experiences because it's kind of all tied up together it's isn't all tied it? up together yes it is yes yeah, so so let's just talk about that a little bit you know how maybe um you know your earliest religious experiences or what you know 
faith was like growing up and well, I was raised in the church. Um, my earliest memories would be of the Nazarene Church in Hillsboro. That's where we went. Um, and we're very involved in that church. And I loved it. And I loved I loved everything about it. It was fun. Um, and but my my family of origin, um, they're not they don't really have a theology. They kind of just sway with whatever they hear. Mm, based okay. basically on political views. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we had gone to that church for several years. And because we didn't want to go to the church closer to us in Lynchburg, because they had a quote unquote liberal pastor. Mm, yes. And so um, danger. it was danger, danger, danger. But <laughs> yes. then when I was in the fifth grade, Gary and Banji Hughes came to Lynchburg and um, mm-hmm. he was more evangelical. And so we decided, I guess my parents decided to give that a try. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I loved it because I was in church then with kids I was in school with. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. You know, and so, um, yeah, so church was always a good thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my parents were also, we we watched um, Oral Roberts. Mm-hmm. We watched um, Jerry's, Jerry somebody. Jim Swagger, you know, we oh, Jerry right. Falwell. Right. Yeah. Um, Jimmy we, watched, Swagger. we watched all of those in the morning before we went to church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I read Kate Bowler's book about the prosperity gospel, I, I resonated with that a lot because <laughs> I was sort of raised in that, even though I wasn't necessarily raised in a church that believed all those things. Mm-hmm. Right. But it influenced your family. It did. Which, of course, hugely influenced <laughs> you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. I think it was the thing that um, influenced me most was, um, I, I don't know, like the, the, if you do this, then this will happen. And mm-hmm. if you do this, then this will happen, you know, like good right. things come when you do these things, right? you know, and so. And bad things big- Bad things come when you do certain things too. Yes, you know? exactly. Yes. <laughs> or you I, neglect to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this became... theology of like transaction, you know, your exactly. faith, you know, it's like your relationship with uh, God, you know, in that system is mm-hmm. very transactional. Very transactional. And, and it's all, a, a lot of it is just up to you and on your shoulders to do all the right things. Mm-hmm. It became almost like, um, I don't know, like an old wives tale or became like something like an, like a, um, an OCD kind of thing where if I didn't Mm -hmm. pray every night, because then I was going to go to hell. Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. I didn't read my Bible, I mean, I'm in, I'm eight years old. I'm reading my Bible every night. So I don't go to hell. Oh, absolutely. And not just to read it, but because you don't want to go to hell. Because I don't want to go to hell. (laughs) Right. And And every day we lived on this big, busy freeway on route 50. And so these big trucks would come by with the lights. And so in my mind, that was always Jesus coming after me. So I would see those big lights and I'd be like, I better pray. I I better better pray. pray. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, we can, you think about an eight-year-old in that experience and um, it's kind of funny. And yet that's really powerfully sad. It to is think of that, you know, of course, not at eight, you didn't know that, you know, we look back and can, can, can say that. Um, but at eight, it's just what it is, you know, like your family's, you think every family's like that, or everything right. is like that. And, and every church is like that. And you're, and God is like, whatever, because mm-hmm. you really trust the, 
adults and the things you're told and you know it's just the way it is <laughs> it's just the way it is it's just yeah. the way it is and i wanted to be a good girl and i wanted to do the right things mm -hmm. absolutely yeah that's a lot of what for me is the same experience with uh early faith um not that young i did not attend you know get, get connected my family didn't with a like a church or making faith a part of our lives mm -hmm. regularly until i was in junior high school Okay. But I didn't have those early experiences. But once I did, that's very similar, you know, mm -hmm. just the fear and transaction. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, what point, you know, at what point did you start to think about that, you know, that differently? Now, I, that's jumping a lot. I know, I know but, um, you know, I'm sure there there had to be a and there, maybe there wasn't one time but you know it was mm -hmm. kind of a a, a journey of, of moments um where you started to think that is not maybe there's something more to this or or it's not that at all i think there's i think i would say it was very gradual mm -hmm. i think because my family was so tied up with their their religion and their politics and still to this day um, I would say the first thing that happened is I went off to college mm -hmm. as a social work major. Yeah. And, and my brain was just being blown away by all these wonderful liberal views. I know. I was a social work major too. So. <laughs> that I just yeah. loved. Right. And, I, and so the first time I yes. brought any of that home, I was just really, really mm -hmm. told I was wrong and I was bad and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so I just kind of kept that to myself. Mm -hmm. So what I did was separated my church mm -hmm. and my theology from my politics. So mm -hmm. I would vote Democrat, tell no one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Keep that secret. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And then I would, I could, my husband's more conservative than me, always mm -hmm. has been. Mm -hmm. So, and I've always been very um, supportive of his his role as a pastor. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I never wanted to cause him any kind of trouble besides that being in a church as a pastor's wife for 34 years. Yeah. Um, you know, there were just every people loved it to tell me all the bad things that previous pastor's wives had done. Yes. <laughs> so right. I knew that if they're talking about them, they're going to be talking they're about, talk me. about you. So, yeah. There's a reason they're telling you. <laughs> yes. And so I usually just kept everything quiet. Silence became um, I think my, my safe place yes. where I allowed myself in my imagination to live out all my beliefs and my, my, um, understandings. And then, um, in reality, I just, I call it the Madagascar penguin, smile and wave boys, just smile and wave. Yes. <laughs> and just that's what I did. Have this outer self that you present that is not aligned with what's going on inside of you yeah yeah and annie i'm gonna say i never knew that either mm -hmm. you know and i think about that and there's a little bit of you know that that touches me in a, in a way that i i'll have to process <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know because it's like it just shows me i think and and all of us um the power in silencing ourselves or diminishing mm -hmm. and the systems that might make us think that that's what we have to do. Well, they don't, they, they, it is what we have to do to survive. In it the, is. 
and I was perfectly trained in my home to mm-hmm. never oh, share yeah. my views. Yes. Um, because my views, anything different that differed from my family was just simply wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I learned, and also I was responsible for everybody's feelings. Oh yeah. And so being in a home where I'm responsible for everyone's feelings and feel that so much, I mean, I don't know if I was, or if that's what I felt like, because right. it was so unsafe. Just try to always figure yes. out how everybody's feeling. Like I can still read a room because I know where the safe places are and where the right. unsafe places are. Um, and so I think it's I was, intuitive. Like you just intuitive. know, because it's, it's become such a part of you. It's become such a part yeah, of me. me too. It's in, um, and so, which we know now is a trauma response. Yeah. Yeah. which I didn't know then. Right. And so I think it just set me up perfectly because mm-hmm. I was responsible for all the feelings of all the people mm-hmm. in all the churches. I just never wanted to say anything that would upset anybody ever. Right. So I and just worried about that all, all the time. Yes. Worried about it all the time. Right. Yeah. I was talking with a counselor uh, a year ago, maybe Annie, who um, um, asked me, well, what is it that you like? Hmm. <laughs> It was about a particular thing that's not necessary right now to say what, but I, and I was like, I just stopped and I was on zoom. And so I was looking at them in my screen and I said, I don't know. I don't know. Oh gosh. I, I, I resonates with know. me. Yeah. I was like, I haven't ever thought about it because I'm so busy taking care of everybody else or making mm-hmm. sure they're okay. Making sure everybody's okay. Mm-hmm. So that comes, you know, just is a, it's a a response to that silencing, you know, Mm -hmm. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I say, I think it was safe. It was a safety thing mm -hmm, I learned mm -hmm. um, that kept me under the radar, Mm -hmm. but it then became a prison, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it started off as a safe Harbor and then turned into like a prison. Yeah. And those trauma responses, especially from, you know, childhood and, um, for me, they were really early, uh, you know, like three um, and then on. And those trauma responses become so much, so normal for us, you know, normalized um, that they are just um, kind of accepted. I don't, I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is we don't think about them. No, you know, that's just the way that's I am. That's just the way I am. And, uh, you know, so... And but could... the, but uh, the other thing, Dale, is that they don't only just become like who we are, mm-hmm. they become what we carry. So it's sort of like mm-hmm. I, I carried a lot of shame because I wasn't good enough. I wasn't ever, mm-hmm. I was never okay enough. I, ne- mm-hmm. I always required fixing. I needed to be better. Um, yes. And so I carried that shame of mm-hmm. not being enough. Right. And that's all the time, just like about everything. All the time. Yes. About right. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. You've mentioned in that blog about this, that sinking of your shoulders and clenching of your insides, you know, that's been a part of your experience you wrote for as long as you can remember that really connected with me too. Shame becomes this motivator um, of so many other responses. And I think, uh, and Annie, maybe this is your experience. I'm going to assume that it might be, but, but um, many Christian systems perpetuate this idea of shame, like um, 
well, let's just say more than I ever thought of. Once I kind of started to become aware of that, just going to a worship service in a traditional, you know, setting within a church, I saw, I heard and saw so many things that were shaming. Mm -hmm. And I remember doing them myself as a pastor preacher. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't intending to. They're just language. It's language we use. It's the way we talk. It's the theology that even if we're liberal or conservative, you know, this idea that we're all broken and we're just terrible and, you know, worms <laughs> and, and we need some saving out of that and right. can't ever do it right. You know, there's always something more to try and another class to take and another prayer, you know, did you have, do you, you know, did you have those kind of experiences? Um, Maybe not. Gonna, well, <laughs> yes. I mean, because I, those are things that happen in the church and yeah, I was, right. I felt just... obligated to participate in all of everything mm -hmm. that happened in the church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, for some of those things, but like, like the prayer of Jabez, like that was like the worst. Oh gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and so some of the things, you know, I, mm. I went in very reluctantly, like I never liked Emmaus. No, I um, never did either. <laughs> I just couldn't stand Emmaus. And I never, there were just some things like that, that just for me were, yeah, they were no, they were a no go. Mm -hmm. um, but I had did a lot of those things. I, I tended to do my own thing, which would be more like, um, I loved Henry Nowen. Mm -hmm. So I loved a lot of Catholic kinds of writings. Um, kind of stayed away from that because of probably because of the shame and also because it didn't resonate with me. So if I had a choice, I felt like I had a choice. Mm -hmm. I did not intend some of those things. Mm -hmm. And with, um, because it, it didn't feel good for me. And maybe that was a shoulder sink and a gut, you know, mm -hmm. my insides mm -hmm. clenching kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, but I was big into women of faith, um, because all of my, you know, church people went and I, and I liked that. And so mm -hmm. I, I did do some of those things mm -hmm. actually fell way more into the evangelical church than I did, um, the Methodist church, just because I listened to Christian radio. I read all those Christian, what I call Christian fluff now, but I read all right. those Christian books. And, and so, um, I, I did you know, although I'm not evangelical and was not raised really evangelical and do not really have that in me, I was still influenced a lot by mm -hmm. the evangelical church and the evangelical mm -hmm. movement mm -hmm. and the purity movement. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I was a little ahead of the time for that as a Gen Xer, but still mm -hmm. got those messages at youth groups and at, right. at you know, that your, your responsibility as a woman, because men can't control themselves. So you right. got to take care. It's all up to you. It's all up to you. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. That really, and I'm, I'm honestly not being cavalier about when I mentioned that that made me think of the Barbie movie, which I just saw recently. Oh, I want to see it. You sh yeah. Because there's a place where they're talking about all that is expected of women. You know, you have to be this and you know you have to be this. And some of those things are even contradictory and yet you're expected to just be all those things. Yeah. So that made me think about that. So was there a place then, even this journey has been gradual of this deconstructing journey. Was there a moment in your, you know, now, uh, you know, that really brought it out, you know, where you could like claim it publicly or, you know, for yourself and just start to write about it and think about it. Was there something in your own life, you know, that you thought I need to change 
this and really open myself up to what's happening to to me yeah I think there were a couple of things um long before my children ever came out as as gay and as um trans Mm -hmm. I started thinking about um just ill treatment of people Mm. in the lbgtq community and just um i've always been interested in african-american studies um i mean i think because there was a part of me even as a little girl that felt so so stuck and i was always learning aiming for wanting freedom and so freedom any kind of freedom has always resonated with me and so um i remember um, being with kurt and we were just talking and you know he he had to take a stand on um, what being a you know, United Methodist pastor and being able to follow the discipline. He had to um, make a stand on that. And mm-hmm. I told him, you know, I don't, I don't have to. So right. I, I started in this place of just saying, I don't have to decide. Mm-hmm. I can just treat people as humans and not worry about what my stance is. That's where I, it's a very subtle yes. thing. And I, you know, I, I, I wish I was more of a bold person that was out there saying things, but I was very subtle. No, I get that completely. And that's really powerful for you, mm-hmm. you know, to just be in that place to say, I don't have to decide, you know, I can just engage with people and not worry about, you know, anything else. Exactly. And that's where I started there. At one point I said to my husband, I said, you know, listen, if I have to stand before my maker and he says, um, well, you were too welcoming, (laughs) then I think I can deal with that. But if I have to stand before my maker and he says, or she says, or whoever now that I, um, says, um, you kept out some of my precious children, some of my beloveds. Mm. Well, I can't deal with that. So that's how I started. Mm-hmm. I also knew Calvin was gay when he was two. So I, <laughs> I think I was probably. Um, they often say moms know that. Well, I guess Kurt did too, but we never talked never about talked it. Never talked about it. <laughs> well, it was silence, um, you know. And, you all... know, and Calvin didn't know either. And he, right. I said, maybe I should have said something earlier. He said, no, mom, I'm glad you let me figure it out on my own. Okay. So I ended up doing the right thing. He didn't know it, but. Right. Um, but I think I was, that was in preparation for knowing that there was going to be some challenges in our journey. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's where I sort of started. And then just like Steve Harper, I fell in love with the emergent church. I fell in love with Brian McLaren. I've read nearly all of his books and he's prolific. Um, mm-hmm. I love listening to him when he's interviewed. He's such a wonderful man of grace and kindness and patience and um I don't know. I appreciate him. So I think I started when I, I actually went to Asbury Theological Seminary and became more liberal. I did too, Annie. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did too. So, um, because I felt like they had room for that there. And we learned yes. about feminist theology and yes. we learned about liberation theology yes. and we, you know, um, we learned, and in, in counseling, you know, you don't let your own values, you, you don't let them come out. You're, mm. Um, I said, I don't understand what a Christian counselor actually is because you cannot, that's part of, right. I mean, the code of ethics, you don't let your own values rub off on other people. You just listen and support people where they are. And I loved that. And so mm-hmm. I came out of that experience with my master's in counseling, much more confident in my understanding. Mm-hmm. Of- yeah. yeah. And um, Annie mentioned 
Asbury Seminary. It's a very quite conservative school, um, a seminary in Kentucky that uh, her husband, you, me, all, uh, attended, and um, it's where we met. Um, and it was, for me, it was the same thing because uh, people would ask me, they'd be like, how did you end up at Asbury? Because you just don't fit. I mean, they would say that to me, you know, you don't fit the mold of our expectations. And I always said, well, I came from such a conservative place that Asbury was like this freeing kind of permission <laughs> giving to think yeah. about some ideas that I had never thought about. And, um, you know, was exposed to things that just were exciting to me because I thought, wow, um, there is a big world out there. And it, and in some sense, that began this journey for me that just continued on out of the church. <laughs> so, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Even though I'm still pastoring, but I don't even like calling it that. You know, it's like we've kind of shifted to community language uh, because it comes with so much baggage. It does come with so much. So we end up saying, you know, um, you ought to come to my church. Oh, wait, we're not like what you think. And let me just tell you, you know, so it's just the way it is. So um, who helped you, you know, along the way? Uh, You mentioned, you know, you've mentioned some people like Brian McLaren, authors, and maybe there were counselors or just people. I don't know. I wanted to hear from you, like, who supported your journey? Um, and you know, for, for me, there, there's so many people that I'm just now discovering that, uh, write and influence and speak their mind. And so who is that? Well, I would say that because I'm such a quiet person and a private person and a major introvert, it really has been a lot of authors. Um, but you know, my journey started to break away from my parents in, 1988 when Kurt and I eloped Mm -hmm. um, because there was a lot of I was very much there's a lot of control happening there and Mm -hmm. for some reason in my little undeveloped 20 year old brain you know I just knew I had to break away from that and I am so Mm -hmm. thankful for it Mm -hmm. Um, then in the early 2000s um, I or I guess late 19 nine 90s i ended up going to a christian counselor mm-hmm. and she and i worked a lot through my um, dysfunctional family mm-hmm. and um and so i started to see uh, really unhealthy patterns there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and so then i um you know we were getting ready i knew we were going to be moving soon and i said lord anywhere but the east side of cincinnati because that's where my family's from that i mean they they're from out in the country but that's where they go to shop i knew that was only going to be an hour away so god moves us to anderson yes (laughs) i was gonna say i know where that's going (laughs) so i've still not really recovered from that but that put because i had put a lot of space between my parents and me and now that space was again um not there but um so I would say, I'd say those that really helped with my journey. And then, um, then I started after we moved here, I just decided I didn't want to be a pastor's wife anymore. I told Kurt, I still wanted to be his wife, but I really stepped back from doing anything. I didn't do Bible school anymore. I didn't teach Sunday school anymore. So I just really pulled away, um, from that. Um, and that's when I found Rachel Held Evans Yeah. and oh my gosh, she's, that's this. She's a prophet, and I'm I'm so yeah. sad that we lost her. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of came a little late to her game because she only knew her only knew of her and read a couple books before she passed away. But mm-hmm. I think she was powerful for me. And then, of course, I got involved in the church that she started, which is called 
the um, evolving church. Mm-hmm. And I'm a member of the Evolving Church, mm-hmm. and um, I'm going to their conference mm-hmm. in Minneapolis um, in October. So for several years, I've been a part of that, where I, um, I've i read a lot of Sarah Bessie. Mm-hmm. I've read a lot of Barbara Brown Taylor. I've read a lot of uh, Diana Butler Bass. Um, those are just some of those mm-hmm. that um, have helped me be able to... Um, think about things in a different way. One thing I hated about Christianity was the exclusiveness of it. Yes. Um, I really hated that. I know there's only one way to God and that's through right. Jesus. I don't know. I just didn't, that never resonated yeah. with me. And I remember saying to Kurt, like, gosh, but what about the Jews? They're praying to the same God. And what about Muslims? They're praying to the same God. So that's when a new kind of Christian with Brian McLaren kind of opened that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started um, this most recent book that I read that was really good was um, Holy Envy by Barbara Brown Taylor, oh, right. where she looks at all the other different mm-hmm. religions and what we can learn from them. Mm-hmm. And they're all so much more gracious than we are. They are. It's <laughs> true. I, <laughs> um, and you mentioned, you know, this Christianity idea of one way to God, and it's built into the theology and understanding. Um, you know, I never really thought of about it being harmful but i think as in our culture and our society right now it is driving this is my understanding it's driving so much hate and so much division and so much right and wrong and who's right and who is wrong and you know and um it it just you know, i think about it and think how do we get out of that how do we get out of that? How do we get out of it? And so there are times, Annie, I'm just going to go out there and say, I just wish the whole thing would fall. Yeah, me too. I, I do. I think, you know, I told a counselor of mine, I said this on another podcast, sorry guys, or everybody listening, uh, but um, that I reject Christianity either as a religion mm-hmm. and, um, you know, was really powerful in speaking that to a group not too long ago and so many people understood that and resonated it was kind of a fearful of me back to some of your what you're saying about like putting yourself out there enough to speak your mind (laughs) but it was okay you know it was okay it was okay so yeah yeah you mentioned in that blog i'm going to go back to that for a minute about your mom and you've talked about her a little bit here and the the kind of you know foundation in the sense of the story you shared or or the thoughts you shared was this moment around your birthday do you mind talking about that a little bit um you know the your recent birthday and um, I thought it was, I went yeah, on it was, my own, had my own yeah. birthday for the first time. <laughs> it was beautiful. And I understood that, you know, we have a similar experience in that. I haven't spoken to my mom. That's not, I saw her at my daughter's wedding last weekend. So, um, and I've seen her one other time, but for over a year and, um, it took me a moment to realize that that was okay. Like yeah. that I was doing okay. And other people don't understand that sometimes. They're like, oh, I hope there's some healing and whole, you know, it's like, no, I'm not angry at my mom. She's who she is. You know, I mean, I kind of worked through that over the years. 
Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, I really connected with that story. Would you share some of that? Yeah, um, at least in the past few years, um, when and my mom is, um, I've, I think in this in the blog I wrote, talked about her as um, part of the Holy Quartet. Yes, we have God I the Father, that. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Doris. And Doris, <laughs> and um, and so she's a very critical person, very very critical, always been very critical of me, but also very self absorbed. And so my birthdays had always been about. Well, I have to figure out a time where I can go see mom so that she can see me on my birthday so that she can be happy. So it was always yes, about right. what I could do for mom on my birthday. On your birthday. In the last mm -hmm. few years, she had said she had come given me some money for my birthday. And then I thought she would take us out to dinner, but we ended up taking her out to dinner. And then, mm -hmm. you know, on the way home, she's like, I guess that took all your birthday money. Right. Yeah, yep. it did, it mother. Did. And some. And, and some. So this year, Kurt said, what do you want to do for your birthday? And so we just had a fun day together. And we went and I got some new shoes to, so I can walk in that were better for my feet that were measured perfectly. And yeah. um, we went out for Chinese for lunch because I love Chinese food yeah. and he hates it, but he's a sweet man. Yes, he is. And <laughs> um, then we we went, I wanted to go to the Cherry Street Pub in Lancaster. They have this really weird booth that sits up and it's got like animal prints and bright colors and a big crazy um chandelier and and beads right and every time we've been there we said i want to sit there for my birthday so we we Did sat it. there for my birthday yes <laughs> and it was fun because this birthday was actually just about me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was nice it was nice yeah wonderful yeah so i hear you know in your that there's this growing, you know, experience for you of owning yourself, you know, of uh, being you, not being diminished over the, you know, like you had been over the years. So, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and I was thinking about like, um, you know, what I would tell my younger self. That yes. was one of your questions. It, yes, I was getting there. <laughs> and um, one of the things is during some therapy that I had in the late 90s, I really worked on the child within. Mm -hmm. And so little Annie has been a part of my life for a long time. And so she, I have been reparenting her yep. and taking care of her because I don't blame her for not being able to figure this stuff out. She was a little yes. kid. Yep. And these adults were doing a lot of things and saying a lot of things and being very... Um, I don't think my parents were abusive necessarily, but they mm -hmm. were careless. Mm -hmm. They were so careless with a precious little child. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I've tried to be very careful with little Annie and letting her mm -hmm. know that she's okay. And she's okay. Just the way she is. She can have whatever thoughts she wants. She can have whatever feelings she wants and that she can trust herself. Because I, I learned to not trust myself by, right. um, because whatever I felt was the wrong feeling. You shouldn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. You're feeling that way. You're being selfish for feeling that way. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever I thought was, that's not right. That's not true. This is what's true. Mm -hmm. So I really, really didn't. I learned to not trust myself, not trust my gut, mm -hmm. not trust my, not trust that sinking of my shoulders and clenching of my insides mm -hmm. that that became something that was, must be wrong with me. Right. Yeah. You know, yes. so that's been part of my journey. Mm -hmm. And that Annie, <laughs> the little Annie is safe. Mm -hmm. 
and the adult Annie is safe. And the adult Annie can take care of things. Yes. Um, which yes. the little Annie couldn't. Right. And that's where those coping mechanisms and, if, you know, that help us get through trauma as a child, like the silencing that led to the silencing that you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. uh, for you, um, you know, they, they got us, uh, this is something that Flo, my counselor said a few months ago, that was just like, a, oh my gosh, that's true. It's like, those things got me where I am. They like have propelled me to get this far in Absolutely. my life. I don't need them anymore though. Yeah, that's right. And now that's why now there's such an issue. You know, exactly. Because, because I still try them and they're not working because I don't need them. I you am safe and I am okay. Yeah. So thank you for, for bringing that up and, and sharing that moment. Yes. Narcissistic adults, parents, um, I, I'll throw that word out. Um, you know, I know that's what is happening in my own mom um, or with her. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she has n no idea, I don't think, how to not be that. And I understand, you know, or, or right. to even understand what has happened in our relationship. Yeah. You know, so... Mm -hmm. Anyway, but but I don't uh, know if you experienced that too, with because my mom's pretty narcissistic as well. Man. Um, is that I always thought it was my responsibility to explain it better. Um, mm. and that that's why she couldn't get it, is because I'm not explaining it right, I'm not doing the I'm not saying the right thing, so I'm not you know, and so then yes. it was, oh, I never put the onus on her to figure it out i right. just assumed it was me it was you because everything is right i mean you know right it's my responsibility yeah annie i was just honest to god two weeks ago thinking that for myself so thank you for that today for my own personal takeaway is that it isn't my responsibility it to do that because i was thinking well i've never really told mom like what it is i need from her in this moment and you're but just she's like also never asked. Yeah, it's correct. <laughs> uh, <laughs> correct. So, <laughs> so why is it my responsibility to make it okay? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Because gosh. it was probably your responsibility growing up to make it yes, okay. Yes. Yes. For... As was mine. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, what are you discovering today in this, you know, this point in your life that is you know, really uh, making a difference for you, you know, what, what, what are just things that are, you know, new for you or that, that are powerful? Um, well, you know, one thing is it's, it's not that I'm having to kind of deconstruct my theology in so many ways. I am mm -hmm. somewhat, mm -hmm. you know, questioning hell, questioning some of those other right. things. Um, but my image of God is all wrapped up in my parents. Mm -hmm. So therefore God is um, harsh. My dad was very yep. harsh and he was explosive. So you never knew when, like my brother will say, you know, <sighs> you knew he wasn't going to kill you, but you also thought maybe he was, maybe he would, oh, you know, with like, um, and so it was, that was, so I see God is very harsh. Mm -hmm. I see my, myself. I always 
and I didn't really know this until recently, that that's really the issue is that God doesn't care. God just wants what's best for God. Um, God just wants to use me however he can to get what he can from me. Um, God's going to mm -hmm. always be critical. I'm mm -hmm. never going to measure up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's been something I've recently been able to kind of start to say, um, cause I think if I had talked to Kurt about some of this stuff, I'd have been better off years ago, but cause he doesn't have the same baggage that I have, Yeah. but my baggage was so much a part of me. I just thought everyone had it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So learning that God, what does it mean that God's gracious? What does it mean that God cares? What does it mean that I'm not just, I don't have to do all these things so that I'll be loved? Mm -hmm. You know, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I am today. Mm -hmm. I think my, my, um, my, my wild kids, <laughs> um, you know, I'm learning so much from them. Mm -hmm. I appreciate them so much. Um, uh, Kaylee, my trans daughter, she is, she's so precious and we have just developed such a lovely relationship and I learned so much from her mm -hmm. and she's, she's good to say, mom, you, that's not how you need to say that. Or mom, you can say it this way, but she's also been so gracious to me as I went through all the stages mm -hmm. of accepting what it means to have a trans child. Yeah. Um, and I said all the things you shouldn't probably, and, and, and she loved me and was gracious to me through it. And I, I, um, I, so I appreciate her. Mm. I appreciate my daughter, Emmy and my son-in-law Rhodes and, mm. and the journey that they've been on in their marriage and their life and what I've learned from them and appreciate KJ and his girlfriend, Mac and all the, um, you know, this, they're total hipsters and I just love them to death and they they just teach me so much. And then of course my Calvin, he's my precious mm -hmm. one. And, um, you know, having a gay son and wanting to, um, and I've, I've always had to give him dating advice because that's who he comes to as me. And I'm so thankful, yeah. I, you know, and I have to say, well, what's it like in the gay community? What is, what would be normal here? Or, mm -hmm. you know, he has to teach me too, as I try to help right. him, um, navigate relationships and, and all mm -hmm. of that. And so I think what I've learned is that um, what I've known all along is I'm okay with being uncomfortable because I was so uncomfortable so much of my childhood mm -hmm. that um, I'm willing to be uncomfortable for other people. So what I'm learning is it, maybe other people need to be uncomfortable too. And I need to, and by me speaking, maybe they have to be uncomfortable and then they can grow mm -hmm. and me yes. trying to protect their feelings. Maybe isn't always best for everyone. Yeah. And you're okay in that uncomfortableness, you know, you're safe yeah. in it. It's okay. It's not because before for I'm, you know, uh, it, from what I'm hearing you say, and then I can, again, I just connect with that too, that that was not a safe space, you know, as a kid or, you know, early on. So, but now it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And I just love seeing pictures of your family on Facebook um, and your, um, you know, your stay at home vacations that you all do together and, <laughs> and that sort of thing to see them all together. Cause I've, you know, known them before any of them <laughs> were on the earth and then seen them grow up and um, mm -hmm. be who they are. Be and I, they gi are. I give, I give thanks. And I'm just great, grateful that they have you and Kurt, you know, whenever I see those pictures, I'm just, it, it does me a lot of, uh, a lot of good. So how are you applying, you know, 
your own journey to helping other people experience their own you know ability to to be authentic um you've talked about your kids but you know is there any other ways and I, i'm not diminishing the kids <laughs> that's huge. no no i didn't feel that way <laughs> okay good <laughs> but see no. that's interesting let's all just take a moment of I felt like I had to be sure you're okay <laughs> by that. And what I find most of the time, whenever I do that, the person hasn't taken it the way I thought they might have. Right. You know, so that's a learning that I continue to, Absolutely. Uh, to have. So, well, I would say as a professional counselor um, um, in my private practice, um, but it's been a part of my journey all along, I think because it came from such judgment and such criticalness, I've always had a very um, non-judgmental kind of stance mm -hmm. of my life. Um, I think um, I love Robert or um, Richard Rohr, and I love the idea of non-dualism and that, mm -hmm. that both it's a both and and not an either or. And so, um, what I think I've tried to do in my counseling session, and I've heard it so many times, you know, sometimes I just go, okay, whatever everybody, you know, but they'll say, um, thank you so much for providing the safe space where I can just say whatever. And I know I won't be judged. Mm -hmm. And so helping people one person at a time, um, mm -hmm. be who they are, discover what they enjoy, discover mm -hmm. themselves. Um, I think it's, I feel like it's my ministry. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a really, um, it's just a one person at a time thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I love that people feel free to be who they are with me. And if we can model that in our little room together, then, then maybe they can begin to be that outside too. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that um, I love working with my kiddos mm -hmm. um, and they're in some kind of terrible situation. You know, my teenagers are, and um, part of me says, telling them everything isn't going to make their life better right, right now. How do I help them just adapt to where they are? Mm -hmm. And hopefully they'll come back and see me or someone else when they get in their thirties mm -hmm. and they got to process through all their childhood. Right. You know, yes. so that's what I think that's yeah. what I do is mm -hmm. to, is to do that. Um, and maybe just anybody that I come in contact with, I think letting, letting them know that it's okay to be who they are with me and I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, going to be, uh, I don't get to choose who you are. That's like how I got through the teenage years is, mm -hmm. and the young adult years as my kids were making choices way outside of whatever I um, would have wanted for them when mm -hmm. it comes to alcohol, when it comes to marijuana, mm -hmm. um, when it comes to other things. And so right. I just was like, I don't get to choose, mm -hmm. but we're in our mm -hmm. family, we choose to love first mm -hmm. and that's what we do. And so we're just going to love whatever walks, whatever version walks through my door. Just You're loved. loved. They're loved. That is so powerful. Annie, thank you so much. I am so glad that you said you would talk to me and, and our listeners um, just to share your story. Um, it is, uh, it's powerful. And I think many people will connect with it. And I know I have, and uh, just really appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hear It From Me podcast. Tune in for the rest of season one and check out my other content on Substack where I write the unlearning blog and get in touch with me as well as find the link to buy my memoir, Hush Child, Finding My Voice and Breaking the Silence through my website, dalelikens.com.